Welcome to No Time to Waste, the podcast that inspires and motivates us to maximize our moments. I'm your host, Allison Haddon. I'm battling terminal cancer, but I'm focused on living my best life as my best self every day. Join me as I chat with resilient adventurers, seekers, trailblazers, and exceptionally good humans as we explore what it means to live fully because there's no time to waste for all of us. Meet Jen Gorecki. This entrepreneur is a mover, a shaker, a hustler, and above all else, a modern-day feminist, living a purpose-driven life where she makes the rules, not society. And Jen's been marching to the beat of her own drum like this since birth. At 26 years old, while doing her master's research work in Africa, Jen founded nonprofit Zawadisha, which provides microloans, equipment, and education to rural Kenyan women to empower them to become financially self-sufficient. In 2014, she decided to start a women's ski and snowboard company, Coalition Snow, basically to see how the male-dominated industry would react. And within a few years, turned down a million dollar offer for the business from ski legend Bodie Miller on the CNBC TV show Adventure Capitalists. And then she created Zisu Magazine. And now she hosts the Juicy Bits podcast with one of her besties. The common tie to all of her entrepreneurial endeavors Jen's challenging the patriarchy and fighting for gender equality across numerous industries, all while unapologetically pursuing a life full of freedom, adventure, and impact. And she's a feisty one, just like me. Meet Jen Gorecki for No Time to Waste. What do you, what do, you do? What do you do? What Jen do I do? Gorecki? What do you do? <laughs> well, so if, if we wanted to have sort of the umbrella under which all of the projects and businesses fall, um, at the highest level, I'm just trying to make the world a more equitable place for women. And I think that there's a lot of ways to do that. And I do that in a lot of different ways. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, I just think very clear what that was a very, from a brand uh, platform perspective, Mm -hmm. that was a very effective way to tie together all of the things in my head that I know you're working on and that you've built and that you've driven down to distilled down to a mission statement that actually makes it all make sense. Let's talk about Zawadisha because, uh, yeah, that's like that was that was first first. That was the very beginning. Was it? Okay, so explain that to me mm-hmm. because again, when I heard this story from you and I kind of learned your path, I was like, "This girl's blowing my mind." <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, Zawadisha. Um, Zawadisha. It's a Swahili word. It means to give a gift. Uh, it's a social enterprise, which means that, you know, this is sort of like the businessy talk. It's a for-profit and nonprofit. It's a hybrid, you know, so this is all about like business structures. How do you, how, how do you get the resources that, that you need? So we're a social enterprise based in Kenya. And what we do is we provide loans to women for really high impact products that radically change their lives immediately. Things like, clean cook stoves, rainwater tanks, solar lamps, uh, pumps to, to move water um, through, through the fields, iron sheets, gutters, even things like mattresses, because we all deserve a good night's sleep and you're not going to get any work done if you can't sleep. So we, we're essentially, I think like one of the easiest ways to describe it to an American audience is that we're like the rent-a-center of solar lamps and clean cook stoves and things like that. So we, we buy the products. We deliver them into these very rural uh, villages, 
And then the women with whom we work pay for the items over time. And then when they're done paying for them, then they own them. When was the first time you went to Kenya? Well, I went to Kenya the first time in 2004 because I was doing research for my master's degree. So, you know, I, I was um, I was researching bottom-up approaches to social change. I wanted to look at the difference between what the IMF and the World Bank had to say around rural African women and what rural African women had to say about themselves. A lot of people wonder, well, why did you start Coalition? Why did you start Coalition Snow after you had already started Zawadisha? And the reason why is that I wanted Zawadisha to be run by Kenyans, not run by me. So I, I started it and then I worked really hard to build it into a Kenyan run organization, which it is. So I wanted to, I didn't want to create a job for myself there. I wanted to create jobs for Kenyans. So currently now, like I'm obviously still the founder. I'm a board member. My primary job is to fundraise and to support the Kenyan team. And Monica is our COO and she's the one who runs all the operations. And even when I'm in Kenya, I'm not really going into the field anymore. Um, I'm just working more with the staff to support them. And that's what I wanted to build was a Kenyan run organization. Dude, Jen, <laughs> AKA Gorecki. Like, <laughs> one, I love, I knew it, but like, you are not an average bear. And I say that, I say that with, again, um, just love and admiration. Um, I love, I love looking at my life and, and thinking about my intuition and how strong it's gotten over the years where I can meet someone and go, this person is not an average bear. This person is somebody, this is somebody really special. So, so I guess then like, you know, talk me through coalition, Talk to me about, I guess, you know, like how to start. Um, it was an accident. Um, I, I just thought it'd be a really interesting social experiment to see what would happen when a woman does something that only men are supposed to do. So I love to snowboard. Um, I'm a, I know how to ski, but I'm a, I like I'm a blue run, like groomer skier. So I don't spend a lot of time skiing. Um, but I, I've really sort of designed my life around being in the mountains and skiing powder days and, you know, everything from when I was in, um, university all the way, you know, through my professional life. Uh, so I have this, I've had this like strong, strong passion for, um, winter recreation, uh, in the mountains. And I obviously, um, have this, a strong, feminist perspective on the world. Um, I would actually say that I'm, I'm probably like much more passionate around those issues than around the out, out, outdoors. So it kind of only like made sense that I would take all of like the theory from graduate school and, um, you know, my, my perspective on, on life around feminism and see how that would sort of play out in a for-profit company in the outdoor industry. So, you know, for, for anybody who, who's unaware, um, 
snow sports. So when, when you talk about making hard goods, which would be like skis or snowboards or bindings or boots, like it's not apparel, it's not accessories. Um, there's very few women who, who, who do that. Um, even to this day, I think there's like four of us who can call ourselves C- CEOs. And at the time when I started coalition, I think I would have been like the only one. Um, what year was it when you started it? 2014. So, wow. you know, I, I was fortunate enough by living in Tahoe, knew some people who were able to help me get it, get it started. But um, I just really wanted to find out if this industry would accept a woman who didn't stay in her lane. And it was, I was curious about that. And I was curious if, if consumers, like if, if the, the snow sports community would embrace us or what, what would happen. So I was just sort of testing it all out. Dude, this is again where like you and I <laughs> would diverge because like, like, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't say I'm risk averse, but like, if I can't, if I can't build something myself, if I can't, if I can't, if I don't think I can figure it out myself, like in my brain, my, my like entrepreneurial creativity, like it hard stop. See, like, but I, like, I did think I could figure it out. So I'm, I'm, awesome. I'm not risk adverse at all. Like I would say that I embrace risk in like everything in my life, but I, I was like, oh, I can do this. I can figure it out. You were the first person that said, like, it's really not as hard as you think. It's possible. And here, let me connect you with somebody that might be able to be the person that helps. And like, I literally would not be here right now mm-hmm. prepping for, you know, Andy Puttycomb, who's going to be on the podcast from the Headspace founder and a slew of other people on this dream guest list that I think some things are going to be happening. And like, literally, you started that. You, you gave me, you unlocked it and said, it's not as hard as you think it's possible. Let me help you. And like, we're here. And I, and I mean that like, so genuinely, like, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Yeah. I just, well, the thing is, it's like, why, why wouldn't, why wouldn't you encourage someone? Like, it's not hard. Like this, this isn't like, I mean, you certainly need resources, but if, if you're comfortable enough to go to Instagram live and have conversations there. We're just talking about a couple different pieces of technology to make it happen. So like, but the reason why I'm bringing this part up is because I am trying to put myself in the headspace of you going, not I'm going to start a podcast, but I'm going to start a snowboard company that makes hard goods. Like what? That's bananas. Like I would have never, I would have never have been, able to take the steps forward because in my brain would have just been like, that is not possible. You will fail. Right. Well, here's the thing though. That's exactly it. If I knew everything about starting a a ski and snowboard company, I never would have started because it is that hard. It, it, It is that hard that if, if somebody would have said like, Oh, let me list all the different things. I would have been like, no way. I'm not even signing up for that. So being really naive, like starting off with not, not knowing much, like, like clearly like the, the, the brand and the, the values and the ideology behind it, like that I had, right. But the rest of it, nope. If I actually knew what I was getting myself into, I likely would not have done it. And so there's something to be said for not knowing and just going for it. Because think about all the things that we don't do 
when we know too much and we're like, "Mm -mm, I'm not overly attached to a fear of failure, that it's easier to start things when when you sort of approach it from being curious, right? Of, well, I don't know what's going to happen. Let's just see. You know, again, me coming from the opposite end of the spectrum for the majority of my career, where for me, the idea of like, I remember sitting with you in that coffee shop in Truckee and going like, but like, what about in health insurance? (laughs) And I was like, but do you have like a matching 401k? Like, what about like financial security? And like all of the things The answer is still no. (laughs) Right? Like, so how is that? Have you always been like that? Like, where does that come from? So I don't know. how I became comfortable with that. I certainly was not raised that way. My, my parents both had the same jobs. They retired, um, retired, you know, pensions, like uh, help. I I was not raised in a family that encouraged me to live the way that I live now, certainly. Uh, So this is just something that along the way, I think that I decided that experiences were more important than things. And I don't, you know, still I'm, I'm 43. I don't own anything. I do not have a 401k. Uh, I do have health care, but only because of Obama. Thank you, Obamacare. Um, and that's, that's it. Like I, I, and I don't actually see myself changing. I, I still don't have fear around it. And I think, I mean, part of my like life plan is that well, number one, I'm going to, I'm going to work until I'm, I'm not, you know, like I'm, I'm going to work my entire life. I, I don't have this idea of retirement because I feel like I'm living my life so fully now that I'm not waiting for anything. So there's that, that I'm not, I'm not planning for retirement. I'm not saving for that. Um, so that's one thing. And then the other thing is that I really look forward to you know, piecing out of this country and becoming an expat somewhere. And so I feel like maybe, maybe, you know, maybe I've just convinced myself like, oh, you don't need that much money to go do that. You can, you know, I don't, I don't have these life goals of, I don't have a goal, like a dream of owning a home. I don't need to own, I don't own a home. I don't need to own a home. I don't, I, I have, I mean, I have nice things. I have the things that I like, but I don't need more than that. So I, um, I mean, I do have a savings account, which I just want to say, like, I want a lot of credit for that because like, I have a savings account, which is a big deal. Um, I have, that was, that was my, and, and this is going to sound weird. That was my 2020 goal was to have a savings account. And I still did it this year. I'm very proud of you. And I mean that in a non-condescending way. <laughs> Yeah, I'm serious because what you're describing, Jen, you're like, what you're describing is your personal value system. Yeah. Right. You're describing your personal value system. You're describing what you feel like your purpose and your mission is here on earth. Mm -hmm. And you're describing basically how you go about doing that and the things that make you feel the things that fill you up Mm -hmm. and the things that make you feel tethered and tied down. Right. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like it's things. It sounds like it's uh, predictability. Yes. It sounds like it's uh, the things you value. It actually, you want freedom mm-hmm. and independence mm-hmm. and spontaneity mm-hmm. and the ability to pick up and take up and go mm-hmm. and not be tied down by anybody. And all of that stuff, I have to say, we definitely, we have some overlap there. Yes, absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. 
what an exceptional, what an exceptional life so far. And the, the funny thing is, is like, you know, with no time waste, like for most people, you know, you're talking about being so clear around not the path of how you're going to get there or what the end result is going to be or what the goal is or what you want to buy or, but the clarity that's in your story around, I want to make a difference. I want to explore. I'm curious. I know I want freedom and independence. I'm okay. If other people aren't okay with that, Mm -hmm. I'm okay. If I give up stability or certain relationships because of that, because for me, freedom, independence, impact, living a purpose-driven life. These are the things that, that make me tick. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, you have been, it sounds like living in that flow state of purpose for a really long time now. Mm-hmm. And most people can't kind of get there unless they've been through some really, really hard stuff. Yeah. Right. Like something yeah. awful has to happen in order for them to go, wait, isn't isn't there something more? Isn't, aren't I meant for something more? Mm. Don't I have a purpose that's bigger than just clocking in and clocking out at a job every day or going to get a facial or getting whatever the the thing is Mm -hmm. to have the clarity in your twenties to say, like, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go do it. I'm going to get that one-way ticket to Kenya and I'm going to, figure out where the heck Nairobi is and I'm just gonna like go do it and like that is not how most people are living I'm just so blown away by your ability to really grasp the importance of and the weight of like living in the moment and living a purpose-centered life that is personal to you independent of what the rest of the quote world wants you to do or thinks you should do or is communicating with you that you should do. And you have been marching to that, that beat since you were a kid or is it just since you got older? Yeah, I'd say since I I was a kid, I mean, I think one of the easiest ways to sum it up is I don't do what society tells me to do. I just, I've never prescribed to society. Like I just there's clearly a lot of things in society that work and lovely people and, and systems that function. And then there's a whole lot that just doesn't serve us. And I don't think I've ever been confused about that. And, and probably one of the earliest times I, I remember being really aware of that was um, when I was in high school and I wrote for the school newspaper. See how that comes back to CCU Magazine. Oh, yeah, I have a degree in journalism. Anywho, I... Um, was writing for the school newspaper and we had a daycare at my high school for students and the administration wouldn't let Planned Parenthood come in for students. And I wrote a scathing student that had babies. Yes, correct. So we had a lot of students who had babies at my high school and, and we had a daycare at the high school for students, for their children and Planned Parenthood wanted to come in and provide free services to all students and the administration said no. And okay, this is definitely going to be a time in the podcast. I'm going to have to work so hard for no um, foul language because I'm fired up. But I, um, I just, uh, 
it was so obvious to me how that was so that was a flawed decision and that did not serve that did not serve students it certainly did not serve those young mothers it certainly did not serve the young women who were my peers if anything it put us in a predicament um so i i was i was furious i wrote a scathing piece some for some reason this the edit the um advisor let it run which you know you don't actually have first amendment rights in schools so it should have like the administration should have read it but he didn't and run this it is a public school right it's a public school in what what general area of the country chandler arizona in chandler arizona, chandler, this is arizona. Like, uh-huh. wow wow yeah. my my dad was a teacher at the school and if if you if you think i'm intense and have a mouth my father is like new yorker to the core next level anyways the the story got published in the school newspaper Chandler High School. And um, then the principal read it and he was mad and it was brought up all the way until the point where I graduated to the point of, I shouldn't even be letting you graduate for what you wrote. And, um, so that I'm trying was, really hard to be chill right now. I'm trying really hard to be chill. Trying to that was the first time I remember being like, uh-uh. Because <laughs> how old were you? What, 17? 18? 17. And you basically were like, oh uh-huh. no. Nope. Uh-uh. Absolutely not. Not on my watch. Not, not on, on my, my watch. watch. Uh-uh. God, I love that. I mean, because it that I want to go fight somebody right now. That's how I feel. I'm not kidding. I literally want to be like, let's take it to the streets. You and me <laughs> right now, virtually on Zoom. Like, let's go find let's them. Go. Let's go roll right now. Like, I bought just bought new Jordans. Like, let's let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. But yeah, that was, that was the first time I remember. That was the first thing that I remember. And that was like, that was me. So that, that was me. And that's how I felt. And I was like, this is raw. This is unjust. I resonate with everything you're saying, because it's like, it's just in my DNA. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to explain it. It's not like something I think about. It's not like I don't weigh the risks. It's mm-hmm. just like, it literally is like blood coursing through my veins. And uh-huh. it says, like, either this is right, or this is not right. And mm-hmm. I need to fight for it. And mm-hmm. there is no other option. And mm-hmm. you're you're going to want to stand down or else like, we're going to have some problems. Oh, 100%. I'm not afraid to fight about this. And by fight, I want to be really clear. I'm pretty sure that I would lose in any physical altercation because I've never actually been in a fight. But by but fight, like I certainly have learned how to use my my words. Um, and, and obviously, there's a lot of privilege associated with that, that like I'm able to speak so um, openly and indirectly about all of these things with limited um, repercussions at, against me. And I, I, I recognize the privilege in that. Um, and perhaps that's it too. Perhaps because I recognize that I can, then I should. Yes. I just don't know why you would wait. Like, why would you wake up every day to wait for something when you could just try to make it happen? And, and I'm, and it has, I, I think also like what's been ingrained in us is that, working hard means nine to five and then um, chores and responsibilities on the weekend. And that's what makes you a good person. And I don't believe in that. Like I, I, I work as many or more hours than probably most people, but I'm fortunate enough because I've created everything to get to do work that I love. So personal legacy, mortality, legacy, awareness, right? It's the concept of, you know, the closer you get to death or the more aware you are of all of our 
mortality, which is the only universal inevitability, the, the only universal truth. Um, what's, what's the legacy you want to leave behind? What do you want to be known for when you're no longer here? Yeah. I mean, I, I think what I want to be known for is, is how I show up in, in the world that, you know, Jen Grecki showed up unapologetically and she did what she believed in and she didn't shy away from something because it made her uncomfortable. And because of that, she was able to achieve great things that helped a lot of people. And that is, makes me tear up because that is, you've been living in this purpose-driven life, it sounds like. And I feel like I just found mine. And uh, it is the most rewarding. Uh, it's the most rewarding, uh, exciting, inspiring time that I have ever had in my life so far. And um, to be able to connect with other people like you who have been living it, I have so much respect for because it took me 40 years and a terminal diagnosis, right. To really go, this is it. Yeah. You inspire me to get creative and freaking swing big. And I mean that from like the bottom of my heart. I, and I knew it when I met you and the better I've gotten to know you and even just tonight getting to talk to you here in our, in our quiet little cozy NPR non-cursing environment where I have a blanket around me right now um, has just reinforced like I knew it when I met you that you were somebody really special and I feel that a hundred times more now and I just so appreciate you sharing your story and when I'm scared about risk or I go, well, maybe I should wait or I go, well, that feels a little bit extravagant. I don't think I need to spend the money on that for the business right now. Like I'm probably going to like text you and be like, I should just go. I should just go. Everything you just said brings me so much joy. Want to learn more about Jen's projects? Head to Zawadisha.com. That's Z-A-W-A-D-I-S-H-A coalitionsnow.com, Sisu Magazine, which is S-I-S-U, and check out the Juicy Bits podcast. Okay, squad, if you're liking these episodes, and man, have we got some killer guests on deck, please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And what would really help us right now is if you'd rate and write a quick, like one sentence review on iTunes. And be honest, it's really how new people find out about the podcast. And then obviously go tell all your friends. Grazie mille.